by Riverside. Welcome everybody to Garage Takes. This is Season 3, Episode 3. Thank you guys for joining us, whether you are listening on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. We are everywhere that you could possibly find us this year. Um, joined here by my co-host, Brant. We will be talking today a little little bit of Lions. They just played a preseason game against the Jaguars. Get some quick thoughts on that. Talk about Jim Harbaugh. Talk about Michigan, talk about college football, most importantly, as we head into week zero this weekend, which is exciting. But uh, if you have not done so already, make sure that you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast, and that's on all platforms, whether that is Apple or Spotify, YouTube. We're trying to grow that channel as well, so we appreciate your support. Uh, but Brant, how are you doing tonight, man? Football is back, Dave. <laughs> Football is Week zero back. is here. We are ready. We have we have waited a long, long time for this. Yes, week zero is upon us. I don't love the week zero thing, but it is it is what it is. We get football, so I am I'm I'm excited about that. Um let's but before we get into college football, Brant, I want to quickly just grab your thoughts on the Lions. Um, they got absolutely dusted by the Jags at home in a, uh, their second preseason game. All their starters continue to to sit. You're not seeing a lot of guys out there that the fans probably want to necessarily see. Um, but you are getting a look at the depth or lack thereof of this team. And, you know, maybe that's a point of conversation in of itself. Um, you got your first look at Teddy Bridgewater. Didn't go well. Um Brant, your th- initial thoughts on that game and uh, Teddy's performance in particular. It looks so helter-skelter. It, um, the offensive line and him were not in sync. The receivers didn't look in sync with them. They were trying some play-action stuff. Wasn't really working at all. Um, you know, Teddy's going to be fine, I think. This is something that I asked for in the offseason, Dave, if you recall. I was banging the Teddy Bridgewater drum. I think you have to have a capable backup. He definitely is, but it looked terrible uh, in, in just a word, if you will. Um, and, and that's to be expected, I think, a little bit. And this is what the preseason is for, so let's not lose sight of that. However, these are meaningful snaps to me. Like, this stuff matters. And the way that it looked, it can't look like that when Jared Goff, if he does go down, Uh, It can't look like that, that's for sure, Dave. So um, he's going to need many weeks under his belt for practice. The backup offensive line is is not good. (laughs) I can tell you that. Um, And that's okay. It doesn't have to be good. Um, I am questioning some of these reps for some of these starters. You know, Josh Reynolds was the only receiver that was playing any meaningful snaps in this this preseason. I got to question some of that, Dave. I mean, a series or two. I'm definitely okay with. Now, if you start dragging it in late into the first, eh, maybe not so much. I know the joint practices have kind of changed things, and I get that. Um, but I just I don't happen to love that these guys aren't playing any meaningful snaps, uh, at least for a series or two. I really would like to see more. 
I'm not concerned about, just to touch on the Teddy Bridgewater thing, I'm not concerned about Teddy Bridgewater. He's a proven backup. In fact, he's one of the best backups in the league. And, and you could argue that outside of injuries, and a gruesome knee injury that literally almost cost him to lose his leg and or his life, um, you know, Teddy's going to be just fine. Teddy only had two or three practices um, under his belt at that time with the Lions, so I'm not making excuses for him, but I'm just saying I'm personally not concerned, and I'm still more than thrilled that for the first time in our lifetime, they've got a capable backup with the Pulse that should be able to, to come into a game, hopefully in September, October, with some more reps under his belt um, once he's been in this locker room and, and really play that backup role really well. And, and I think that he's going to be critical, too, just from a mentoring aspect for a guy like Hendon Hooker. I mean, ideally, Jared Goff is that mentor as well. But Jared Goff is your QB1. And um, I think bringing in a proven veteran like Teddy Bridgewater outside of just being QB2 and being ready to go is being able to take Hendon Hooker under his wing. You know, Teddy is a, is a master in the film room. You know, he studies the game, really high character guy. That's the kind of guy that I want um, Hendon Hooker to kind of uh, to grow under. Whether he's your QB two, you know, for the next several years, you mean you spent a third round pick on him, or whether he's your future QB one. I mean, who knows? Who knows what the future of Jared Goff holds? Um, so I'm still really high on that. What I'm not high on are <laughs> we didn't rehearse this ahead of time, but those are my two talking points. The first is the the offensive line depth. You say you're not concerned about it. I am. Um, and here's why. That's the identity of this football team. It is the number one strength of the team is the offensive line. Um, I'm, I don't care that we haven't seen the, the starting offensive line. I'd rather them not get hurt. Um, at the same time, if that is your the strength of your team, we're talking about like a top five offensive line in the league, to know that these are the guys behind that gives me pause for concern. Um, more so, honestly, than Jared Goff going down. Like, if I'm being honest, like, I have more confidence in Teddy Bridgewater coming in and filling that role than I do with some of these backups coming in if you lose a Penny Sewell. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that is a, a huge uh, piece of concern, and, and maybe across the roster, not all position groups, but, um, you know, depth is, is a question right now. And you hope some of these guys step up, but... Um, you know, right now, I think the, the depth of this team, although Brad Holmes has done a great job really building them out, and so that it is a sustainable um, sustainable team over the next several years, they're young, they're unproven, and, and you're seeing it. You saw it against the Jags in that preseason game. Take it for what it's worth. No overreaction. Take it with a grain of salt. I'm not beating the table, to use your language, Brent, and, and calling for jobs or anything like that. Um, but it's just something to keep an eye on. The second thing for me, the wide receiver room, I mean, is a cause for concern right now. It, I don't know who your receivers are. I mean, I know I'm on Ross St. Brown. He's a little dinged up right now. doesn't sound serious. We know the, the story of Jamison Williams. He's losing a whole lot of confidence from this fan base. The sixth, I mean, it seems like literally every single week it's something. Like, yeah, of course he had the six-game suspension. Um You've got a slew of other things, whether he said it or tweeted it or retweeted it. Um, and then, you know, he's he was supposed to get all these preseason reps, and that was the thing. It was like they were going to have him out there a ton because he needs the reps. He needs the time. Well, Jameson Williams is hurt now. You know, he hurt his hamstring. Probably not going to see him the rest of the preseason. You're not going to get a look at Jameson Williams again until the end of October. And so that is concerning to me. 
I I don't know who these guys are that are ready. I mean, Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds. Um, I mean, you know these guys, right? They they they've been on the team. I'm not knocking them. I think they're fine. But Brant, I guess my last question for you on the Lions is. Do you think that Brad Holmes' two-part question needs to go sign himself a, a receiver that can hop in? I know they've got Marvin Jones as well. I didn't mention him. But do they need to go out and sign another receiver? Or should they really be able to just kind of ride this out till they get Jamison Williams back? Your thoughts before we get into uh, Michigan and, and college football. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm okay with riding this out as of right now. Um, I know that, like we talked about, Hunter Renfro was a possibility back in the offseason um, and, and stuff like that. He's now off the table. But um, I, I think that you ride with what you have right now. They also have Mims, right? They, they picked him up on a trade from the Jets, right? They, they did, and then he got hurt. They've already waived him. He's oh, already, already off. waived? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so, anyway, uh, the, the other point, Dave, is I want to clarify – I'm not out on uh, Teddy Bridgewater with the offensive line. I was saying more in the fact of I'm not worried about his his reps with that number one offensive line, I guess. I am worried about the depth of the offensive line. I do think that's a concern. And I think you see it every single year, whether it's one, two, sometimes even three offensive linemen will go down across the board, and that is a absolute concern. Um, but as of right now, I think you're, you're rocking um, – Back to the point of the receivers, you're obviously going Amon, and then you're going, <laughs> uh, I guess, Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds uh, as your three. Marvin right? Jones. Yeah, Marvin Jones uh, as your two, maybe. Um, and Khalif's kind of your scat back, and, you know, it, it, just, it just is what it is right now. I don't think there's a lot out there in free agency right now to get in, Dave. Or to go yeah, trade you, right now. But do you go get a guy like, I'm just going to throw a name at you, Sammy Watkins. I know he's mm-hmm. had his injury concerns as well. Um, he fills an immediate need for you. Get him on a one-year deal. Um, any interest in a guy like that? Or do you once – and I, I know that's not like, oh, yeah, bringing in Sammy Watkins is a game changer. But do you need to make a move like that at this point to keep this room uh, with their head above water till hopefully Jamison Williams comes back? But once again, it's a – I'll believe it when I see it at this point, right? We haven't seen a ton of Jameson Williams. And to be honest with you, he's shown flashes of greatness. I'm super high on him, but I'm really starting to understand Lion fan frustration of, like, he's not reliable. They can't count on him. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, Dave, being a Cowboys fan, I kind of go back to uh, watching T.Y. Hilton for the Cowboys last year, just kind of making plays. Uh, maybe Sammy Watkins could do that. And, you, and you know, you talk about a guy like Randall Cobb for the Jets right now, um, and, and just veteran guys that know how to just get a little bit of separation, know where to find a hole in his own defense type of a guy. And maybe that is the right call. Um, I would be fine with that. I think that is actually a good idea. Yeah, I, I think they've got to do something. I think if they're truly going to compete and, and make this run that we all think that they're capable of making, I mean, some more than others, how far we think they can go. Um, yeah. But if they're really serious about this and serious about taking advantage of a week NFC this year, I think there's no questions, hands down, they got to go and make a move and bring somebody else in to um, to weather the weather the storm. And T.Y. Hilton played that role great for the Cowboys last year. Um, you need a guy who can just run crisp routes, get open, like you said, have reliable hands. Um, they, they, they've got to do something, in my opinion. It, that is not, not good right now. Um, but let's shift over into uh, college football. Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. 
Your thoughts, Brant. Three-game self-imposed suspension from the university. I don't know what else to say at this point. Don't have a lot to say, if I'm being honest with you, but let's just start there. Uh, Stupid. Uh, Let's start there. Uh, I think this was a reach by Michigan to do whatever they felt like they needed to do for no reason. Nobody was coming after them at this point. It kind of – I think if you do nothing – this all kind of just goes away and it gets pushed under the rug until 24. And I still don't think Jim was going to get a six-game suspension next year. Plus, you don't know what shape the NCAA Board of Committee or whatever it is, is Committee of Fractions or, or whatever it's called, is going to be sitting. Like, they could be <laughs> basically to say they could be without power next year, potentially, Dave. I mean, the NCAA is folding as we speak. It's headed towards this SEC conference, um, Big Ten conference, and they're they're just on a collision course to add as many teams as they can right now, and they're just going to run the sport, Dave, and the NCAA is going to step aside. Like, the NCAA, for people that don't know, already don't have a say in the college football playoff. It's not sanctioned by the NCAA. It is a separate tournament outside of the NCAA. So, um it's like Jim wouldn't be suspended for that because it's not sanctioned by the NCAA. So for me, Dave, it just goes back to the point of Michigan doing things for no reason to try to look like the good people that they think they are. It's this college football, man. Like (laughs) everybody's breaking rules. The fact that you think that you need to get a slap on the wrist from yourself for COVID infractions for, for things that they didn't even know what they were talking about. Like the NCAA, they had all these, Crazy rules that nobody knew and nobody cared about. You can't tell me Michigan was the only one to do this. So to go ahead and self-impose, stupid. I agree. I, I don't think that they're – I don't know the purpose of it. I mean, there maybe there's a lar- larger plan out there that we are unaware of. I mean, we certainly don't have any inside sources. It sounds like Michigan tried to get ahead of – I can't even say get ahead of this. I mean, it's been playing out for months. But – after negotiations fell out with this four-game suspension that sounded like that was the plan moving forward, Michigan wouldn't take it, Harbaugh wouldn't take it, and so now the NCAA kind of puts a little bit of fear in them because now it's the unknown of revisiting this for 2024. They clearly seem to have it out for Jim Harbaugh. They do not like him. I don't care what anybody says. Like This right now is becoming... Uh, it's personal, and and I mean, let's be honest. Harbaugh isn't the most likable guy in the world, and he is arrogant, and he is uh, gonna be the guy that's gonna say, uh, you know, that he. I don't even remember what he said at Big Ten Media Days, but basically that like he's got nothing to be ashamed of. Well, I, you lied to the NCAA, so like that kind of stuff is just, yeah. I he should be ashamed of something right now. I mean, yeah, you're the head coach of this football team. Your university just suspended you for three games, and you likely got more suspension now coming from the NCAA next year. It's a mess. I personally, Brant, just wish they would have taken this four-game suspension that was handed out or sounded like it was moving in that direction, take Jim out these first three games he's going to be out anyway, and then be out for Rutgers, and let's just move on and move past this. But nope, couldn't do it. Michigan couldn't do it. You've got... Them coming out, doing a self-imposed three-game suspension, and then your athletic director, Ward Manuel, coming out of the woods. We haven't heard from this guy in months to say um, you know, that they're, they're taking action, but they're there to support their head football coach. Well, you just suspended him. 
So like, don't, you can't do that and then in the same breath say, you know, but we're, we've, we've got Jim's back and we're, no, you either discipline him or you don't. Either you took it serious or you didn't. So, um, great. You, you want to suspend him for three games, stand by it, say that you have enough knowledge at this point in the investigation to believe that there was wrongdoing and stand by your suspension. I think it's weak. I think it's a weak look from the university and them trying to make it look like they're doing the right thing. Um, like you said, like Michigan always does, you know, and we're Michigan fans, but I can call a spade a spade. I think this is what Michigan does. And I, I think it's biting them right now. I think this situation now is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I mean, we're going to forget about it. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Jim will sit out these three games. Michigan will go 3-0, and win by a million points. He will be back, and the season will go on, and hopefully we'll continue this run towards a national championship. However, that cloud is going to be hanging over all the way through next year till God knows when, when the NCAA and this committee this that I've never heard of are going to come together and hand out likely an additional suspension. So, Yeah, no, I guess, I guess my mind goes to... <laughs> What what are you trying to accomplish, Michigan? Like, what is the end goal here? Is it to look good because you look terrible? I think, Dave. Uh, and then the other point is, did Jim really learn anything? And I feel like, nope, because you gave him three games. He doesn't care. These are the three games he could miss. And, Dave, what is the easiest day of Jim Harbaugh's whole week, I, I feel like? It's probably yeah, Saturday. Game day. Game day. Oh, yeah, <laughs> probably, for sure. It's probably Saturday. He works his he works the entire week to get the game plan ready, work with the coaches, everything. And on Saturday, he's there to manage the clock and call timeouts. And, yep. and pump and smack JJ's shoulder pads. Like, that's what he's there to do. Um, so I, I really don't think anything was learned from this. I it is what it is, and, I, and I think it's a it's another bad look in a series of bad looks for this program. And, and Dave, I know you and I have called it out for the last couple of years, but God dang, if you could just get out of your own way, that would be spectacular. If you could just stay out of the headlines for a couple of weeks, that would be awesome. Get out of your own way, exactly. Get out of get out of your own way. Whether it's the the the, the Matt Weiss stuff, this Harbaugh stuff the hiring Shem Beckler's son or whatever had a dirt on him. I mean, it hasn't been a great offseason, the messiness of Harbaugh to the NFL, whatever. Now, winning cures all. And I'll be the first to say, I like, go ahead and win 12 games, right, and bring me back to another Big Ten championship. But if you and then don't? Let's, you got it. If you don't, <laughs> now, now, yeah. Now, now, if you don't, Brant, you go out and, and, and you lose to Ohio State, and maybe you lose to another team that we're not anticipating Penn state or whoever it is. And now you're like, wow, this, this hype train of this national championship season got derailed real fast. And Oh yeah. Now we've got to deal with gym suspension next year when we're going to, we're supposed to be playing Arch Manning and Texas. Right. So, and, and then this recruiting class, this guy flipped and then that guy flipped. And then all of a sudden you've lost three recruits from this class. You know what I mean? It is a fast downward spiral in college football. And it takes you a while to climb back up that mountaintop, Dave. And right now, Michigan's a football program where I think this is the first time we've said, maybe in our lifetime, Dave, we're at, we're near the mountaintop. Like we are one of the top five programs in the nation, and that is very rare air to be in. And we need to take advantage of it and just stop doing stupid stuff. 
Yep. It's hard it's hard to get there. This is and this team that's assembled right now is by far the best team that they've had since the year they won a national championship when Charles Woodson and the gang right. was, was on there. So let's just let let's just get to football. I'm sick of t- hearing about this, sick of talking about it. Week zero is upon us. All right. So Brant, before we get into and I know we're gonna talk some best bets. For those of you that are new to the show, Brant throughout the season we'll hop on at the end of each episode give us a, a brand's best bets we'll look at a few lines that are out there and and give our takes on them and i think we're actually gonna he's keeping track of them this year which concerns me because they're not always great <laughs> um but it's a it's a good idea um but brand so let's talk uh college football playoffs first of all before we get into um any of these bets so who are your as it stands today well actually I'm sorry, before we go to the playoff teams, I want, give me your five Power Five champions. Let's go there first, and then let's dial it into those those last four. So let's start with the Pac-12. Who do you got coming out of the Pac-12 this year? Dave, I love Oregon. I love Bo Nix coming back. I mean, this is a – I don't know if Bo I would Nicks? consider – Yeah, Bo Nix. I, I don't know if I would consider him a dark horse uh, Heisman contender because I think he's kind of in the spotlight a little bit. Uh, very good player. You know how tough it is to to win in Otson. <laughs> Their home field advantage is is usually awesome. Now, I think it's in like week two or three. They got to travel to Texas Tech to play a game. That's not going to be an easy game. That's an out of conference game, obviously. But they also host USC this year, which I think is just going to be a monumental game. Um, and I don't think that Utah has what it takes to get back to the Pac-12 championship game. I see Oregon and USC playing in that uh, Pac-12 championship game, going Oregon's way. Yeah, um, and I think Dan Lanning is a, is a really oh, good coach, coach, by the way. Yeah. And their defense. Yeah. Right their off defense the Georgia, was good right last. Right off the Kirby Smart tree. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's that defensive coach, so. Right, which the Pac-12 never has. So, um, Especially USC yeah. and Lincoln Riley. Not known for no. defense out there. So I'm going to I'm gonna roll with USC and Lincoln Riley, and really it's because of one guy and one guy only. Um, I think they'll score 100 points a game this year under uh, Caleb Williams, which to me, I mean, this is no hot take. I just, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in, in quite some time. Um, I know people compare him to the next Pat Mahomes and stuff like that. Bottom line is, is you know, he is a really, really good player, and um, – in the Pac-12, I just I think that trip to Oregon is going to be is going to be tough. Um, I, I think the Pac-12 has got some teams. So like Brant, you know, with, when it comes to Utah, like Kyle Whittingham, I, they scare me. They always do. Cam Rising, his quarterback, is returning. Um, I think like most of his, or at least like his top two receivers, I believe, are returning. And I just they're not my pick. USC is my pick, um, but. That's a team that's going to be in the thick of it. And then the last team is Washington. Michael Penix Jr. is also going to be in the Heisman race. And um, Washington, I mean, it seems like they never can quite get it done to, like, take that step. Um, but they are, I think, they're preseason ranked in, like, the top ten. So, I mean, the, the eyes are on them. And you've got those those quarterbacks alone right there. It's going to be going to be a good battle. But, all right, so you, you've got Oregon. I've got USC. Let's move to the Big 12. Who do you got? 
David, here's my dark horse team. Uh, kind of like TCU last year, uh, I see Texas Tech coming out, uh, experienced quarterback coming back. I love their defense. Um, I like their offense. I really do like that. Uh, they, Like I said, they host Oregon in week two. That could be a, just a huge jumping off point for this team. On their schedule, they miss Oklahoma this year. That's a big miss, I feel like. And then they get TCU and Kansas State at home. Those are two huge games that you happen to draw at home. And you finish out the year by playing at Texas. And, I mean, last game of the year, everything on the line. You know, it could go either way type of game, I feel like. And uh, even you could potentially see a rematch the next week, uh, Texas Tech, Texas for the Big 12 championship. So um, I like Texas Tech as my dark horse team this year to win the Big 12. I like it. It's a bold take. Um, I am. I'm going to take Texas here. I think Texas. I think the Longhorns might finally take that step. Um, Quinn Ewers is when he was healthy. I mean, I think he was the number one um, recruit in that class, or at least he the was. number one quarterback. He was. Yeah. yeah. He. I mean, the mullet, the you know, all the stuff. But Quinn Ewers is he. He's a good quarterback and. Former Michigan commit Xavier Worthy is a Tyreek Hill esque um, type of wide receiver for him. I think they're they're dangerous. I think the energy in that program right now is, man, Austin is a, is alive and well. I think, and I know they got a ton of hype too because who's sitting behind Quinn Ewers? Arch Manning, right? Yeah. I mean, like he. There's just a lot of energy in this program right now. They to me. They seem like they're poised to take that Michigan leap that they took in 2021. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Texas here. Dave, real quick, that trip yeah. to Alabama. Could you imagine that oh. jumping off point for this team? I know we'll get into that. I in cannot weeks. wait. Yes, can't <laughs> wait for that game. What a yeah. great showcase game that's gonna be. Yep. Um, all right, let's head to the the Big Ten. Who do you have? It's pretty easy for me. I think we've already talked about this, Dave. It's Michigan this year. Um, They draw Ohio State at home, and I think that's just the biggest deal as of now. That trip to Happy Valley, though, Dave, I know is on all Michigan fans' minds. You get through that thing, and all of a sudden it's looking like smooth sailing, even though Ohio State still looms. It's like that seems like the biggest test that you're going to have before the Buckeyes. So I think they'll be geared up for that one. I think that this team is is destined for 12-0. and And I, I, I cringe saying that, Dave. You know how cringy we get uh, saying 12-0 and around here. But um, I think this team has what it takes. They're battle-tested. And, Dave, I think that Penn State poses a little bit more of a challenge than Ohio State right now just because – We've seen a little more of Drew Aller than we have out of either Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. And I believe that Drew Aller, I think he's going to be that dude. And that's kind of scary. Um, so I think the Nittany Lions actually give me a little more fear right now than uh, the Buckeyes, per se. But the Buckeyes are still a little soft. We got those question marks. Like, they still have to travel to Notre Dame and prove something to me. Um, so until they prove something, I think Penn State's the biggest test. Ooh, Ohio State soft. Ooh. All right. Well, uh, that so, can't be the. I cannot be the first one who's ever said that. No, you certainly <laughs> certainly are not. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a weak, easy take. Um, I, I'm 
taking Michigan, but just a couple of quick thoughts on Michigan. I, I do think they're going to have a couple of hiccups this season. We kind of talked about it last episode, whether that's in Minnesota or Nebraska. I know you can focus on Penn State, Ohio State, maybe a Michigan State. Who knows? I mean, Mel Tucker is doing everything he can to get his, that program turned around. Um, you just never know. And I think at the end of the day, what annoys people about Michigan, for those who hate Michigan, is just here's the hype. Here's the arrogance. Michigan's number two. Everybody's coming for your head. So I, I think that that's a dangerous spot to play in where for the first time in the Jim Harbaugh era, they're going to be favored to win all 12 games, at least as it stands right now. And and so the, the pressure is on in that sense. I don't love it. I'll still take Michigan to win just because, and I this is nice to be able to say it, I think they're the most talented team that's poised to, to really um, do something big this year, really from top to bottom, and that includes Ohio State. So um, that's just how I feel, regardless if I was a Michigan fan. I think they've got the, if you look nationwide and what people are saying, Michigan's got the talent to do this thing. Um, Brant, ACC, who do you have this year? I love Florida State. Um, pretty simple. Uh, great quarterback play, great receivers. I mean, they're <laughs> – they're repping a receiver that's like six seven and can run a, like a like a four or five dude like it's unbelievable and uh, Keon Coleman's Jordan. obviously yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna uh, say Keon Coleman's there Jordan Travis Jordan Travis unbelievable um, you know he he's not a dark horse Heisman he's definitely a Heisman contender um, and their toughest games Dave they go to Clemson in like week four or five um, and and the ACC does the same thing that everyone else has pretty much done now, which the top two teams will play in the championship game. I could definitely see them getting a get-back game in the championship game and getting right and winning the ACC in that championship game against Clemson. Uh, you know, they draw Florida at home, or I, I'm sorry, on the road, and Florida is trash. Uh, Florida is not a good program right now. Um and then I think they draw Miami at home, and that's going to be their, their other toughest game. So I think that they kind of run the ACC slate outside of that game in Death Valley. They go ahead and get that uh, second game against Clemson. I think they win that one. I like Florida State. They're my number two pick behind Clemson this year. I, I just feel like you know Clemson's disappeared from the playoffs here these last couple of years, and it seemed like they, they're just every year it was going to be Clemson, Alabama, uh, Ohio State, Georgia, whatever. Um, I just feel like they've got a Cade Klubnik or Klubnik, however Klubnik. you say his name, Klubnik, um, who's going to be the – he's already been the name starter. Um, and I think that, you know, he's a former five-star recruit. He's a good proved to be a good quarterback, especially at the end of the year when they needed him and sat down Ugalele or he was hurt. I don't remember <laughs> what happened, but he looked, he looked a lot better. Um, you add in Will Shipley, who will be back, and – um, I just, I think Clemson is poised to get back on the map this year. I just don't see them going another year where we aren't hearing about Clemson football. So take it or leave it. Um, the SEC, Brant, and then uh, let's hop into uh, college football playoff predictions. I don't, I don't love Georgia. I like Georgia. I, I'm not completely sold that they'll get there. <laughs> I don't think we've ever played that drop before. Um, <laughs> we have. Have we? Uh, yeah. No, I I really just, I, I don't love Georgia. I, I love their schedule. I love the way that it sets up for them. Um, you know, no real tough 
road games this year. I mean, they go to Auburn. Um, they go to te- or yeah, I think they go to Tennessee this year. That could be a tough game potentially, but I don't see them getting really into a dogfight. Maybe until um, the SEC championship game, whether it's going to be Bama or LSU. I just so happen to think it'll be LSU. Uh, you know, a rematch from last year. Um, and I could t- I could potentially see them losing that game if I'm being honest. Um, but I, I I just will go. I'll roll with the champs for now, and I'll take them to win the SEC. Me too. Um, I, oh come yeah, on! Jordan, I was hoping you I would know. go out on a limb. What was I supposed to say? Bama or LSU's kind of my dark horse, but I, Bama doesn't have I a quarterback. Still, they don't. They that you're right. It sounds like it's going to be Jaden Milrow. I I don't know. I guess. But I we don't know. Ohio State still doesn't have a quarterback, so who knows? Um, I just honestly, dude, when you win back to back national championships, it's yeah. You, you, you earn the right for me to just say it's a layup. It's Georgia. Until somebody beats them. I mean, they have been the best brand of football that has existed in college football uh, the last two seasons. So, till Nick Saban proves, uh, proves otherwise or Brian Kelly down at LSU <laughs> goes and, uh, you know, he's got uh, Jane Daniels as a stud quarterback. And LSU, he made a very good leap with that team in his first year from, I believe, when they were like 6-7 and seven or something like that the year before. So um, they're on the rise, maybe. But once again, until somebody beats Georgia, um, I'm not I'm not budging off of them. So, Brant, that leads us to our four-team college – last year of saying that, four-team college football playoff predictions. So – who will be? I don't. Do you want to do seating? You want to go one through four? I'll go one through four, but why don't you go first? Okay. Oh, okay. Number one seed. You ready? Shocker. Yeah, Georgia. I just once again un, until un, until they get knocked off by somebody. Georgia, it's a layup. You? I'm rolling with you, Georgia. Okay. Um, Number two, you want me to give my number two? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, my number two is Michigan. Um, <laughs> I think I, I know that's boring because you look at the preseason rankings, and honestly, it's probably very unlikely this happens. These preseason rankings don't ever actually shake out this way, but um, I think Michigan is rightfully placed right now, and until Ohio State or somebody else says otherwise, it. It's going through the Big Ten's going through Michigan right now, so um, I, I I like Michigan there for that second playoff spot. Really hoping, by the way, for a Michigan Georgia national championship game. Really hoping for that. Yeah, Dave, I'm with you on that. Um, I'm going with Michigan as well in my two spot. I've got a one loss Michigan going into that though. Hmm. Okay. The one loss is two. Yeah. TBD. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll see. All right. My number three seed. I'm going to go USC. Okay. I, I know. I know. I know. I just have this feeling that Caleb Williams is about to just have this spectacular season. Second year with Lincoln Riley. I can just, I just can sense it. That's all. You can argue and look at their schedule and look how pitiful their defense is like 123rd in the country pitiful 
and make every argument why they won't be there, and I'll just nod my head and say, you're probably right. I just have this feeling that USC is going to make it there this year. I'll take LSU and Brian Kelly. Um, I, I, I do think they get to that SEC championship. Now, they, they are going to have a couple feathers in their caps, I believe, by the time they get there. Um, I believe that they can beat Florida State, and then I believe that they can take care of Alabama, lose to Georgia. That's how okay. I see their season playing out. And they'll be the three seed. Yeah. I, I like I like the the LSU pick. Um, I'm I'm not far off of them. Number four, just because I, I I'm feeling dicey and I don't want to say Clemson, and I don't want to say Alabama, so I'm rolling with the Longhorns, baby. Oh, okay. I, I think Texas out of the Big Twelve is going to land themselves uh, their first playoff spot, and I am all aboard the uh, Quinn Ewers train. Is that a one? That must be a one loss Texas team. Somewhere one one lot has to be out of the Big 12. Yeah, yeah. okay. I think one, so, anyway. No, I agree with you. Uh, one lost Texas. I am going to shock the world here. I've got the first two lost team going into the playoff. Give me the Seminoles. I think that Whoa. I think the ACC okay. champion... I think they get back. I think they'll beat Clemson, who will be 11-1 and or whatever. They'll win the ACC. I think you'll have a bunch of two-loss teams. I think Texas could very well be one of those two-loss teams. I feel like there's going to be like three teams from the Pac-12 that will have two losses. Notre Dame might have two losses. Ohio State could very well have two losses. Penn State could have two losses. I mean, it's just there's going to be a lot of two-loss teams that I think are going to be vying for that last spot which will then light the fire for 24, which everybody will want the 12 team. Absolutely. Give me all the two lost teams. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. I love all it right, too. Good. I like it. Prediction, predictions are in. The beauty of making a podcast is they're out there for everybody to always come back and make fun of you about, about how wrong you were. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Brant, let's wrap up just a couple of minutes here. Give us our first best bets of season three. We've got a few college football games. Kick it over to you. All right, Dave. Phew. And thus we begin anew. Um, so Navy Notre Dame, that takes place uh, over in Ireland. Um, I don't know why college football has felt the need to take their games to Ireland of all places, but I'm here for it. Whatever. Um, Notre Dame laying 20 and a half. New quarterback, Sam Hartman. They are looking to light up the scoreboard. New offensive coordinator. We'll see what they got. What do you like, Dave? I'm going to take Navy plus 20 and a half points. I don't know anything about Navy's team. I know everything that you know about Notre Dame's team you just mentioned. But Navy is just a weird team to play, and they will they will keep it. It may be close to that. But they're going to be in this game, especially against Notre Dame. You know what, what I love, you? Dave, is when you play like an academy school, it's, you're right. I mean, it's just a clock grind. It's hard yep. to run up points. They keep the ball from you. However, give me Notre Dame. They'll cover. I like Hartman's arm. I mean, he is going to be bombing the ball all over the place. I know that. Um, so give me uh, Notre Dame to cover. All right, Dave, another highlight game here. The Rainbow Warriors 
traveling to Nashville to take on Vandy. Vandy favored by 17.5 against a really bad Hawaii team that we saw last year up close and personal as Michigan played them. Vandy, their win total is like 3.5, but they're an SEC school nonetheless. 17.5, Dave, what do you like? I'm going to take Vandy up to 17.5, and and this is just Do I know anything about either of these teams? Not really. Did I watch Hawaii last year look like one of the worst college football teams I've ever seen? And make and ensure that JJ was the future starting quarterback at Michigan? Yes. Yes. So um, I think Hawaii is that bad, and Vandy hopefully is good enough being an SEC team to cover 17.5. What about you? Man, Hawaii was really bad, Dave. I mean, it looked like FCS. I, I think I've seen better FCS schools. Let's put it that way. Like, that was really bad last year. Uh, Vandy's a little bit on the rise. Uh, you know, they won like two or three SEC games last year. They beat Florida. I'll, I'll take it, you know. Uh, I'll take them to cover the 17 and a half as well. Um, okay. All right, San Jose State at USC. This is the game I'm probably most looking forward to, Dave, mostly because of you-know-who, your boy, Caleb Williams, number one draft selection probably next year. We all know. We get it. He paints his fingernails. I understand. Um, they're favored Can't. by thir- – <laughs> It's a new age thing. I don't get it, but whatever. Um, all right, so uh, 30 and a half points, Dave. Are they covering it at home? Yeah. Yep. Oh, you like that. Oh, yeah. I, I think they've got a show to put on. They know it's week zero. They know everybody is going to be watching this game, although they wouldn't normally most likely during the fo- the actual football season. But this is the actual football season, week zero. So I, I think this is the start of the Caleb Williams um, Heisman train and – He's not going to play the whole game, but I, I think they put up a boatload of points. I'll take USC covering 30 and a half points. I'm rolling with you, Dave. That's three covers for me, so you know one of these is not going to hit. So um, I'll take I'll take USC on the cover, too. It is something weird about uh, they want to open. They want to throw it around. They want to score a bunch of points. Uh, they'll probably give up a decent amount if we know anything about a Lincoln-Riley defense, but hopefully it's enough to cover the 30 and a half. Um, and the lock of the week, Dave. Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> Go ahead. You no know drop for this. I don't, um, I, don't, I don't know. The only, the only drop I have is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the lock of the week was always the. It was bad nine times last out of ten. Year. Incorrect. Yeah. It was yeah. bad last year. But listen. The first half line of USC San Jose State is 16 and a half. I think that they come out and they just pour it on, Dave. I don't know about you, but I think they can cover that's, 16 and a half in the first half. I like that, but I, I think that's okay. exactly what's going to happen, and that's going to be the half that Caleb Williams is actually playing. So, yeah, yeah I I think they – I bet they're up 21-0 at the end of the first quarter. Like, it's going to okay. be that type of that, that type of game, I I think. Maybe 21-3, who knows. You're on the lock, Dave. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. I like it. Um, all right, cool. Well, appreciate everyone sticking with us here in Garage Takes. This is Season 3, Episode 3. Make sure if you haven't done so already, like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, to the Garage Takes page. Um, and make sure that you leave us a positive comment or five-star review as well. It goes a long way, and we appreciate anybody that shares us out with uh, anybody you know who might be interested in listening to Brant and I talk about sports. So as always, it's been a pleasure, and we will catch you all next time.
Powered by Riverside.